Welcome to the Talented Learning Show with John Lay, Episode 4. Today I interview Mark Anderson, founder and CEO of eLogic Learning, about the 2018 learning management system marketplace, extended enterprise learning trends, and the thriving specialty of franchise learning technology. You can find more of our content at talentedlearning.com. Welcome to the Talented Learning Show podcast series with your host and independent tech analyst, John Lay. On this show, I interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning solutions from both the vendor and practitioner perspectives. Our guest today is Mark Anderson, CEO of eLogic Learning. eLogic Learning is an award-winning learning management system, solution providers, and just happens to be a talented learning's choice for best extended enterprise uh, LMS solution for the last two years. So, Mark, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. Uh, always nice to converse with uh, you, one of the brightest in this industry. So we always appreciate your feedback um, here at eLogic. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, flattery to get you some easy questions, perhaps. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're stoked we can line you up for today and get your perspective on the 2018 LMS market. I think more than anybody, or just as much as anybody, you know, you have your nose to the grindstone here on the, uh, the ins and outs of what's going on in the front lines uh, of the LMS market, extended enterprise, franchise learning, and more. And so I thought maybe a good place to, to, to start was, uh, you know, just to introduce yourself. You have an unlikely background, at least in my experience, for a learning management sister uh, or an LMS provider CEO. Uh, tell us about yourself and how you grew into and decided to fund and found uh, e-learning or e-logic learning. Oh, you bet. So uh, I guess uh, I describe myself as a reco recovering CPA. <laughs> My background uh, began in public accounting with Pricewaterhouse, and, and I had the opportunity to see an awful lot of uh, business models. And um, in, in particular, when I was in the New York City practice office, I was one of the heads of the uh, NASD uh, broker-dealer audit function. And so my entire time uh, at eLogic, I, there was one common theme amongst products that, or companies I should say, that, uh, that began to evolve. And that was there was no business tool that would allow companies to manage their most important asset, which are the people behind the brand, uh, every place I went, uh, there, there, you know, if you were the sales manager, you were the sales trainer, or it got lobbed into HR. Um, and I think what has evolved today is that uh, there is a direct correlation between uh, uh, training and knowledge and employee performance, uh, happiness, and company performance. So. Um, I got into this back in the year 2000. Remember Y2K when all the planes were supposed to fall out of the air and, uh, you know, everything was going to uh, go to hell. So, uh, Good time to be a consultant, wife, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So, so uh, I, uh, I, my wife and I decided that if, if this is truly going to happen, why don't we go to Breckenridge and go skiing? It would be a great place to be. So we did. Uh, when I was up there, I read a Fortune magazine that described uh, learning management systems, you know, the, the, the new business tool uh, for the corporate world. And as I got through the magazine, I was like, okay, so they're missing some key business points here. And one of them is 
how does this business tool create greater revenue streams? How does it provide cost efficiencies? How does it give you regulatory and compliancy assurance? And how does it mitigate risk? Um, and so right after that, I came back uh, to, to Tampa, and I met a friend of mine. I said, Mitch, do you know anything about learning management systems? He goes, I've been looking at them recently. Long story short, uh, we raised some capital, launched a company. Um, I actually was not in the company for the first five years, uh, but came into the company in 2005 and uh, assumed the CEO position. And from there, uh, we've, we've had an interesting run, uh, but a great one. We're really proud of where we are now. Um, we are a best-of-breed learning management system. Uh, we have been honored to get uh, numerous awards from Talented Learning. And by the way, those are participation awards, audience. Uh, John does a very thorough exam. So we're, we're humbled by that in, in, in every category. Um, the other thing we do here that we make is we have a learning solutions division that creates custom content and also provides learning strategy for our, our clients. Um, we have a young lady who was the chief learning officer at a company called Pods, uh, who was a client of ours for five years, and then she came and joined our team. So that's, that's, a, that's a, a brief overview of the origin uh, and uh, where we are today. Wow, that's great. What a, what a great story. And, you know, I know from uh, just firsthand experience of following your organization for the last uh, at least five years now pretty actively here through your, your progress and, and really rapid development that um, you guys have your, your, your foot on the gas here as, uh, uh, as you just continue to expand and, uh, your, your solution in ways to, to provide more value. There's an interesting part of your story you, you told me one time about what you did during the, uh, the, the crash of uh, 2008 and nine. And uh, what if you just recount that story real quick about what you do with your product in, in that point? Oh, you, you bet. That, that was the hello recession era. And, um, you know, there was, there, there was terror in the business community. And uh, I took a really good look inward in our company and said, okay, uh, if you're going to do this, be a leader in the industry. So we stepped back and decided that there were three things that were necessary for us to be a leading LMS in this space. And the first one was to rebuild our product. Mm -hmm. So we had a, we had a, a good LMS. Uh, I referred to it as a Buick. Um, but at that time, what we did is we put together um, an advisory committee of our, some of our larger, more sophisticated clients. Uh, I was able to hire a guy by the name of Greg Shell, who leads our professional services division. And we rewrote our entire application um, uh, starting from the specifications uh, to the development, and that took us about 18 months. So we released that product in 2012. Um, so I looked at that as, okay, so this is a 10-year-old startup company. We've got a rebirth starting today because we got a car that can run up front with anybody. Uh, we also uh, have adopted an agile de development process, so we do about 100 enhancements a year, and our clients have the opportunity to review those and either turn those enhancements on or keep them off. So they are able to turn on new functionality 
that will benefit their workflow and their organizational structure and their purpose for using the LMS. Um, so that has allowed us to, to stay in tune with one of our core values, which is continuous improvement. Um, and, uh, you know, so today we, uh, we, we have a fully functional LMS. We understand the verticals that we uh, live in. Uh, extended Enterprise is a place that we purposefully have defined great functionality to. Uh, along the way, our clients have given us great suggestions who utilize that type of uh, extended enterprise business model to make it better. So we're constantly improving it, and there's many different models that uh, have adopted eLogic specifically for extended enterprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to bring it home, uh, you know, during that re recession period, you were smart enough to step back and say, all right, let's take it. We're not going to be selling LMSs anyway uh, right now. Nobody can buy them. Let's, let's use this chance to reload and come out stronger on the other side. And uh, the reason that story struck me is because I work for a company that did the exact opposite. So, you know, we pushed that polar uphill for a couple of years uh, trying to, to sell to an industry that had no money to buy. Uh, so, uh very, uh, very smart to say the least. So you, you evolved into uh, extended enterprise, and, and I'm curious to see what you see in, in 2018 from a from a sales opportunity standpoint. What comes across uh, your organization desk? Is it more extended enterprise being defined as employees plus some other audience? You know, customer channel partners or franchises or prospective customers or customers. Or do you still see employee solutions, uh, you know, standalone uh, or extended enterprise standalone? I'm, I'm curious. What, 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 what do you see come across your desk? Uh, I guess it's yes to the first uh, description. Um, we have many what we call hybrid clients mm -hmm. where there is an internal requirement, an application that would look very much like any other employee-driven um, application. Right. But also those clients extend beyond their internal corporate community, and they reach out to train their customers, and it creates a tremendous ROI. And so when, when clients reach out there, um, and we have, again, designed and developed functionality specific for extended enterprise models, where we're able to create an organizational flow, a geographic flow, other relevant attributes that allows us to define and distribute specific information to various locations um, while keeping the, the ultimate goal of a franchisor, which is to make sure that the people representing the brand are trained and certified to do so. So as an example, you know, it's easy to understand hospitality. So Outback Steakhouse, we have quite a, we have quite a few folks in hospitality. But, you know, you can imagine Outback Steakhouse. They've got 1,500 locations. Um, they have specific information that is, is based on their company requirements, product training, menu training, um, HR, policies and procedures, and then there's specific training. The alcohol laws are different in Utah than they are in Texas, than they are in North Carolina. In North Carolina, they're different by zip code. So the 
attribute section, the, the hierarchy in our application allows you to be very specific that if you are at a bonefish grill on Jackson Street in Charlotte, North Carolina, you will be distributed information that is regulatory and compliance specific to that particular geography and that jurisdiction, as well as everything else. So at the end of the day, we're able to bring this information to them stronger, faster, better, and certainly much cheaper. The ROIs are significant in every category. And to stay with a, a theme I think everyone can understand is Outback does a lot of uh, limited time offers. You know, the steak and shrimp on the Barbie. In the old days, they used to have the general manager would bring all the employees into the office, and they would discuss it, and they would leave, and they would all bill one hour in payroll. So imagine 70,000 people going for one hour wow. once a month at a loaded rate of about 20 bucks. Well, that's about $1.4 million. Now they get delivered an e-learning package with a limited time offer. It takes about 10 minutes for them to do so. So when you look at, at, at that, the economics are incredible. Um, they are saving $1.2 million or, um, on each limited time offer. So that's an example of ROI. And remember, I am a recovering CPA, so <laughs> those are the types of things that I pay great attention to. And I, I work with our clients directly on, you know, are you accomplishing ROI and are you managing that? Wow, wow. And that's, as you know, that's what we talk about all the time on Talented Learning in our blog posts and webinars. Because uh, the exciting thing about extended enterprise in particular is uh, the ease, I think, in which you can measure the effectiveness. Uh, but even the story that you're describing there at Outback, uh, it even takes a, a level past that yet where you are identifying what's operationally happening uh, you know, at a $1.2 million savings. And I'm sure it's just incremental on top of that when you think about uh, you know, how that's cumulative over time and how they can spend more time in improving content experiences and other experiences to, to make happier employees, uh, as you described. So it's, it really opens up a lot of cash to, to do some good. Do you see, um, do you see uh, you know, what about the franchisees in, in, in this whole equation? Do you care about them? Do, uh, you know, is it more about the franchisor because they're buying it and pushing the learning out? Or is there, some, uh, is there another side of the equation here that's, uh, that's important? Uh, that that's an operative question too, because in, in the absence of bringing value to the franchisee, uh, you you know many times uh, what we've seen is they've uh, they've they've created unnecessary uh, curriculum. So we really love to look at what the franchisee strategy is. How does it make them more efficient? How does it make them more money? What are the best practices at the franchisee level? Are they sharing experiences accordingly? And, and doing that in a formal way so they understand of Dairy Queen, for example, there are 7,000 locations. If, if they distribute a best practices that they've learned in a particular franchisee or a corporate, then all of those franchisees are going to benefit on implementation of that into their locations. So it's all about receiving relevant data uh, over and above the required core elements of 
you know, the HR pieces, you know, how do you, how, menu training, uh, dealing with difficult customers or dealing with customers as a whole, um, procedurally aspects, because in franchises, the, the value to the franchisee is to take a, a pre-established brand that has a pre-established process and implement it to the best of the, their ability. So the franchisor, their responsibility is to initially and ongoing train them so they can perform at the highest level. Was that helpful? Yeah, no, that's very helpful. That's very helpful. And do you think, do you see that for the franchisee, do you see the content, you've described menu and uh, code of conduct and brand and, and things like that, but how about all those things that are wrapped around, I don't know, starting your own business, uh, you know, best, best hiring practices, you know, how to do HR, you know, how to do your books, uh, you know, that type of stuff. Do, do franchisors push that type of content to their franchisees to add value? Do you see that? It, it, that you know, that, that, that is a outstanding question, and I would say uh, I would recommend that to be part of the strategy mm -hmm. um, because you're right, they are entrepreneurs, and most of them are owner-operators, and most of them uh, may not have a tenured business career, but they've put all of their resources into this particular franchisee. Now, the franchisors typically do a pretty good job of it, um, and and so I, I think it's good. But it's always a question that we need to ask: is you know what is the benefit to the franchisee? The last thing you want to have is a rebellion of a large group of franchisees on corporate. Um, if they don't see the value in it, they're not going to adopt. So make sure the value's in it. And, and, and there's another thing, too, is if you are delivering uh, information and knowledge that becomes beneficial to not only the franchisee owner, but the employees, great example would be different levels of Microsoft Office training, um, different levels of, of certification trainings where, where these folks are, are generally not career employees. Uh, they may be there for a few years and look for a management role. But, you know, if you can help develop an individual, they'll be much more attracted to their employer um, and, and, and much happier in their performance. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of what's in it for me. Sure, sure. They can see some kind of upward mobility path and, you know, at least the ambitious of, of them can, you know, work their way along that path, you know, to get incremental gain in terms of jobs or, or salary or things like that is, is uh, you know, certainly attractive when, you know, if you compare that to a place that doesn't have any of that, you know, and you're in the, the same job no matter what forever on that. Yep. And, and, John, there's a lot of different models that, that emulate a, a franchise or a franchisee model. Uh, we have a, a, a client, Heartland Dental. Uh, they they are the backbone of dentists and their teams, and they deliver the highest quality dental care and experiences to these dentists and dentist offices uh, so they can be more efficient at being a physician. So there's, you know, 800 dental practices, 1,200 doctors, and like, 12,000 team members in 34 states. Well, they became a client 18 months ago. They took their training program from instructor-led training. Now imagine, geographically dispersed uh, all over the country. 
and going in and doing initial and ongoing training on a one-on-one, -on -one, one on four type of, of element. Well, they stepped back and said, we can do this faster, better, and cheaper. So they took 90% of their training into an online interactive learning environment. E-learning, webcasts, um, and, and everything done uh, at top shelf. So this is a very staggering number, but in their first year of operations, they were able to save about $18 million in training-related travel expenses and payroll. And th they did definitive ROI work to come up with that m number. So their investment in the LMS is inconsequential. <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter what their budget was or what they pay us, $18 million, uh, less their investment in e-learning and LMS is a huge uh, economic gain to this organization, and it's only going to get better. Wow. Wow. Did you tell them their price doubled for your software? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if we get into storytelling, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story about another one of our clients. Yeah, um, go ahead. And, and, okay, sure. Primerica has been a client for ten years, and and we've we've been um, we you know they have about four hundred thousand end users, about a hundred thousand who are full time. The other four hundred thousand are part time. And when we went up there uh, initially to learn about the business, um, we learned about how they communicate with the reps, and this was all about. But by the way, they are arguably the largest life insurance company in the world. Mm -hmm. um, they are fantastic in their term insurance products and all of their insurance products. I highly recommend them if that's a need that you're looking for. But uh, in any event, uh, uh, Mike uh, was telling me, you know, well, we send out rep mail every four to six weeks. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, what's in rep mail? He goes, well, we have a CD where we're doing sales training, and we send them a bunch of... Uh, of paperwork on uh, best practices and case studies and 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 those type of things and we send it to them overnight and they get an opportunity to read it and I'm like wow so you send 400,000 overnight packages every six to eight weeks that's got to be expensive and Mike goes nope it's we got a great deal with FedEx it's three bucks a package well being a recovering CPA, I can do that math real quickly and understand that it's $1.2 million each, each package. So as we walked through the, the two days we were there, we sat down and Mike goes, so what's the cost for us and this partnership? I said, Mike, here's the great news. It's free. All I want is one half of the savings of Federal Express because you will never send that again. <laughs> he did the math in his head. He goes, I can't pay you that much. I said, of course you can't, but you need to do this now. <laughs> and then also, you can, you can have reporting that tells you that they received the information, they went through it, they passed the assessments, so their knowledge is current, um, as opposed to sending somebody a CD-ROM that we know that went in the trash and nobody ever looked at. Mm -hmm. so. Boy, it's so easy getting to, to good measurements if you know what what questions to ask and you know when you think about extended enterprise just the sheer number of of partners and prospects and customers even a small company can have you know you it, it, 
greatly outnumbers any employees that they have. And so, you know, anytime that you have hundreds of thousands of people in your audience, it doesn't t does take much for each one of those to build a real big ROI. Uh, from a, a collective standpoint, and so it's it's great to see you guys doing that. That's why I always enjoy our conversations because you always got a new story to tell about how you're saving somebody or making somebody money. Hey, we're we're rolling in towards uh, uh, the end of our our time here. I thought maybe a good question to wrap up would be is you know you've been you know now a, you know recovering CPA, you got 13 years at least here in the learning technology industry. You've seen all the changes go from on-premise solutions to cloud-based technology and mobile and gamification and micro-learning and all those things, you know, wrapped into these current solutions that uh, you have and clients are asking for. What do you see coming down the pike? You know, what are the things that uh, either you're worried about or you're looking forward to here over the next few years as uh, you take your organization to the next level? Well, I, I, I'm very bullish on this industry, where it is now and where it's going. I think that the majority of the deployments of LMSs are, are single purpose or not fully adopted and fully baked within organizations. So we're seeing organizations take a look at, well, what was our initial primary purpose for this LMS and then building off of that. And that's exciting because what that does is that creates a much greater return on their product mm -hmm. uh, or their investment, I should say. Um, and. And so we see that continuing. You know, there's a couple other things that are happening here is that, that there's, a, there's 700 to 1,000 providers in this space. And so from a buyer standpoint, whether you're a first-time buyer or you're looking to replace your LMS, it's pretty fuzzy out there in trying to determine which products are the are the the ones that are going to perform the best and it's not just the products it's the people and the experience we we talk about two things around here one of them is the prospect experience how that prospect is is treated from uh, not just a product application side but a very professional uh, what we call the 1%, how we relate to that uh, prospect. And then as they come on as clients, we have what we call the client experience. So there's no degradation of that relationship. And, and all of our clients um, have access to many people, including me. I, they all have my cell phone number and call me anytime they'd like. Uh, the good news is this phone doesn't ring too often unless they're in town for dinner. But So from an industry standpoint, uh, I... I think that there's a lot of opportunity for clients to get more out of their investment uh, and that the, 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 the people who have not yet transitioned to this, for whatever reason, sacred cows in their organization or other, they're learning that this product is no longer a nice-to-have product. It's a need-to-have product. Mm -hmm. If you're over 500 end users, this is a product you need to consider. If you're over 1,000, you must. As the numbers go up, the ROI becomes much greater. So that's a, that's a snapshot of, of what I think the buyers are looking at and what's happening um, with uh, clients and, 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 and new LMS users. There you have it, folks. Words of wisdom. Mark Anderson, CEO, eLogic Learning. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here today and sharing your stories and wisdom and 
And uh, my most important takeaway, I think, as always, is is just how important it is to measure, figure out what you want to what you want to change, and and start measuring right from the get go because uh, all all of this becomes possible with uh, you know with a good thoughtful strategy like that uh, from a fiscal standpoint. So uh, thanks very much. Have a great day. My pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you soon. You can find more of our content at talentlearning.com.